Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you in this podcast about some observations regarding the shooting of congressmen in Alexandria, Virginia last week. As I'm sure everyone listening knows, on June 14th, there were some Republican congressmen practicing baseball on a baseball field in Alexandria, Virginia. While they were practicing, a man by the name of James Hodgkinson approached, asked one of the congressmen if this particular practice was a practice of Republicans. When he was told that they were, that it was a practice by Republicans, he then produced two weapons, a rifle and a pistol, and began to shoot these congressmen. Uh, Representative Scalise was horribly wounded, bullet passed from one hip through to the other, damaged organs, broke bones. Um, He will live, he will survive, he may even have a full recovery, uh, but he has been um, in in very serious condition at a nearby hospital. Uh, Other congressmen and staffers were shot, as were Capitol Police. Fortunately, no one is going to die, it seems, and everyone's recovering, and many of those congressmen were walking around the game that occurred the very next day, the famous congressional baseball game. I want to make an observation that's going to be rather odd. I'm obviously moved by this because I care about my country. I know many of these congressmen. And by the way, uh, Bev and I split our year between Nashville and Washington, D.C., and we actually live in Alexandria. So this shooting took place basically in our neighborhood. We live not too far away, I would say less than half a mile away from where that baseball field is. We drive by it often. We could easily walk to it from our place. And so... Uh, it's a, it's something that we feel keenly as Americans, as Virginians, as Alexandrians, uh, and as people who know a great many people up on the hill in D.C. But what I want to focus on uh, is not so much the softball or the baseball game. It's not so much the exact shooting. It's not so much um, all of the calls for unity and to dial down the rhetoric that occurred in the wake of it. All of that is wonderful, by the way. Um, what I want to talk about, though, is the kind of incredible naivety that caused this man to be able to foment his uh, evil designs without people in his hometown knowing. Let, Let me explain a little bit more fully what I mean. James Hodgkinson was from a southern Illinois town called Belleville. Uh, He's a 66-year-old man, former building inspector, and he is very much like other people that I have paid attention to who have uh, engaged in such deeds. I've made a little study of these kinds of things. I've helped with some debriefings and so on. Um, Where there are shootings, where there is violence, where there are political assaults. What I'm always intrigued by is the soil from which these people spring. Uh, Where did James Hodgkinson come from? And one of the reasons that I'm fascinated by this is that, and you've seen this many times on television, when someone engages in a shooting, when someone goes crazy in a store and shoots up his fellow employees, uh, when someone goes, as we say now in the vernacular, postal, the people who know this person back home, back in the hometown, at the office usually, uh, those who went to high school with him or her, They almost always express complete and total shock. 
They're amazed. He was such a nice guy. He was quiet. He never bothered anybody. He liked dogs. He came to our picnic. He was good to the kids. Almost always people are completely surprised. Well, I want to suggest to you that that actually is a kind of naivety that we cannot afford anymore. I watched very carefully after James Hodgkinson uh, engaged in the shooting and then was shot and killed himself. Um, I watched very carefully the interviews that were conducted back in Belleville, Illinois. I listened to interviews with uh, childhood friends, with people who worked with him, with people who sat at a bar with him, with the owner of that bar. And for the most part, they expressed complete surprise. His wife expressed surprise. His friends expressed surprise. And I have to tell you, I wasn't surprised because this is what you always hear. You almost always hear someone, people saying that this person who's perpetrated something horrible usually, um, it's just a shock. It's out of character. It's nothing we would have expected. But let me tell you a little bit about what we know just so far about this man named Hodgkinson, uh, again from Southern Illinois. Uh, This man has actually had arrests for violence. Uh, This man once was arrested for battery because he did the following things. He punched a woman in the face. He then struck her boyfriend with the butt of a 12-gauge shotgun and fired that shotgun at the boyfriend. Now, this is close to attempted murder. A 12-gauge, as uh, many of you will know, is very powerful. Uh, It can easily kill a man, uh, punching a woman in the face, uh, hitting the man with a gun. Again, a a strong man hitting another man uh, in the face with the butt of a a gun uh, can, can, can lead to death if it's done powerfully enough. Um, and then, of course, the shoot, the actual firing of that gun. These charges were dismissed. We can talk about the whole issue of our laws and how easily such things are dismissed. But I want you just to think for a moment of what kind of person would do this. Have you ever done such a thing as this? I certainly haven't. I don't even know anyone who's ever done such things who, you know, I'm not visiting in prison when I'm doing chapel or something. Um, this is extreme. And yet, that those who knew of him, I maybe even knew of these charges, somehow just dismissed them when they thought about him. It wasn't just the legal dismissing. It was the uh, the dismissing of them in the minds of those who knew him. Uh, this gentleman uh, also resisted police. He engaged in drunk driving. Uh, he was known not to be a pleasant person at the bar that he frequented. The owner hated to see him coming. Um, he often got into fights. Uh, he once, as we now know from many reports, uh, that had, had the sheriff called on him because he was firing uh, rifles in a neighborhood. And the police had to warn him that, you know, a rifle can shoot up to a mile. So firing within neighborhoods with houses and children is something that he ought to be careful about. But it turned out, given the laws of Illinois, that the man wasn't committing any particular crime and therefore was not stopped. What I'm trying to say is that here is a man who's engaged in drunk driving, who's fired rifles at, or shotguns at people, who has beaten a woman, who has beaten a man, who has resisted arrest from police, who has uh, run from police in a vehicle, who has fired weapons in an unsaved, unsafe way. And all of that is just the level of violence. We're not even talking about his political opinions, um, where he would join, for example, uh, pages on Facebook that were titled Terminate Republicans and things of that nature. 
future. Now, I am the first to say that no one watching him could ever have anticipated that he would do what he ultimately did in Alexandria. But what's amazing to me is that one of his friends actually described, and this is after the shooting, by the way, as happy-go-lucky. His wife said that there was nothing about him that would have indicated he would ever have done this before. By the way, the man left his wife, went and lived in Alexandria in a van across the street from the Alexandria YMCA, um, and lived there for three months. None of this is the behavior of a normal person. Well, what's my point? My point is that we are living in a day in which there is a great deal of self-radicalization, in which there is a great deal of violence, Uh, call it what you will, the flesh, the devil, the world, politics, people are being stirred into a frenzy. Men like this who might seem like normal Midwesterners are suddenly shooting at our elected officials. And we cannot afford the kind of naivety that I'll have to tell you, it often surrounds people uh, who uh, eventually do horrible things. The, the, those who should have uh, had some sense that there was danger, those who should have had some sense that this person had the potential to do something horrible. Now, I realize we can't track every loner. We can't track every gun owner. By the way, I am a gun owner. Uh, we can't track everyone who has fiery political opinions. I have fiery political opinions, and I'm not a violent threat to anybody who's not a violent threat to me. But I think I'm making a very important point here, especially regarding what the military calls situational awareness and regarding casting off intentional naivety. The people who knew this man back in Belleville were naive. This was a violent hard-drinking, abusive criminal. He had been arrested. Charges should have been kept. He should have been done time in prison. He should have been marked. Um, If he used credit cards or ID cards in other states, there should have been some kind of notation of that. Um, That's what his behavior warranted. Instead, people said he was happy-go-lucky, A congressman from the area in one interview said that there was nothing unusual about his conduct. Very irresponsible uh, comment by that congressman. And I, I think the point is that while I don't want us to put everyone in our lives under suspicion who's a little bit strange, almost everybody I know is just a little bit strange, right? We're all a little weird. Um, I don't want to be suspected uh, because just because maybe I'm reading a book alone under a tree in a park or, or something. But if I have hit a woman in the face, if I have fired a gun at another man, if I have beaten that man with the, uh, the stock of my gun, if I have uh, resisted arrest, done, engaged in drunk driving, picked fights in bars, etc., 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 and then gone and lived like a like a nut uh, in my in the back of my van near a YMCA in a town I've never been to before. Someone should take note. Someone should realize that there's the potential for something to go badly. Someone should have someone check, and. I, I want to. The reason I'm bringing this up is not because I think I'm smarter than law enforcement. I don't think this was really about law enforcement, uh, for the most part. Uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is we cannot afford the kind of situational ignorance that most people walk in. Um, most people live this way. Uh, we don't want to act as though we're living in a war zone. We don't want to act as though we're on battlefields and, and, and hyper react in that way. 
but we do want to be aware of what's going on around us. We do want to be aware when our friends suddenly take turns. We do want to be aware, whether we're talking about suicide or we're talking about potential for violence or we're talking about any other kind of destructive behavior. Normally, normally in these situations, people saw the negative trends and did not identify them or report them or respond to them or confront to the, the individual or offer to help. And often the most naive people were the people who were the closest to the person because they'd gotten used to the behavior. I feel sorry uh, for this man's wife, but I will tell you that she had obviously gotten used to his nuttiness. And so she was actually able to say in tears before cameras, there was nothing that indicated that he would do such a thing. That's just not true. But she did not pay attention. She had gotten used to his behavior. He, she had gotten used to his weirdness. And I'm not faulting her. But those around him, those who drank with him, those who knew him, police who engaged him, etc., for the most part, uh, not so much the police. I think they did their job. But the, but the civilians around him just simply didn't pay attention. And then astonishingly spoke of him as being a happy-go-lucky, easygoing guy, Whose, act, whose actions were a total shock. Well, they could only have been a shock to those who weren't paying attention. So the practical solution of this is pay attention to what's going on in your world. Pay attention if a family member talks about killing themselves. Pay attention uh, if someone you know starts accumulating a lot of weapons. Pay attention if someone engages in violence at a local level because that violence could happen elsewhere. Um, it's going to be the disenfranchised, lonely kid um, who's dark and surly and has no close friends. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the standard profile of, of kids who end up being shooters at schools. Um, it, it's it's going to be, in our current culture, the angry uh, person who is viciously upset with Republicans or Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders or whomever, viciously upset. Um, and talking about killing them. I mean, I've, I've actually, I've shared on this podcast before that I've actually spoken in a church, um, in a, in a, in a beautiful God fearing Bible believing, um, very uh, loving and outreaching to the community church where some angry person came up to me afterwards and talked about killing president Obama. And I told them to stay away from me. And I actually told a law enforcement officer there at the church that that had been said to me, cause you know, it's a federal crime to threaten a president with, with harm. Uh, if that can happen at a church and a good church, by the way, it had nothing to do with this church. This person was a visitor. It turned out and, and was just, just thought that they would hear political opinions from me because they knew who I was. Um, I mean, this is the stuff we've got to pay attention to. This is the stuff we need to be aware of. And I just want to say that the, the shooters of the future, the people who radicalize in the future, the high school kid, uh, perhaps from the Middle East, but not necessarily, uh, who gets radicalized by watching ISIS videos or, uh, or, or someone who gets angry politically left, right, or center. Um, that, that person uh, is known to us now. I'm speaking of nationwide. That person is known to other people. That person's already engaging in behavior that is weird. That person is already accumulating weapons or becoming fascinated with how bombs are made or, 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 or becoming, you know, preoccupied with Hitler or, uh, preoccupied with the Boston marathon bombers or what have you. That behavior is already known. And unless there's a conspiracy to cover it up, usually that behavior is missed because people are just 
naive. Now, I'm not trying to launch some ep, you know, plague or, or epidemic of reporting things falsely, but pay attention to your world. Be situationally aware. Pay attention to where you are in restaurants and in public. But more importantly, pay attention to your network of friends and associates. Help, confront, speak, talk people out of weird and radical opinions, bring truth, and if, the, if, if, if there's just ongoing rage and hatred and destructive behavior, talk to somebody who's an authority. And we're just living in too dangerous a time for this kind of uh, naivety that surrounded James Hodgkinson to continue. I'm not faulting the folks in Belleville, but I am saying that this kind of naivety is going to allow people to be killed in the future, and we need to be better than that. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Curves. His new book is Ask the Question, Why We Must Demand Religious Clarity from Our Presidential Candidates, available on Amazon. Learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is directed by Isaac Darnold, who also wrote, produced, and performed the podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.